It's the Soft Issues podcast with Way, Matt, Lee and Ev. This week we talk to Matthew Butt, the head mechanic at Lee Valley Vela Park, about his work with Kenyan cyclists at the UCI Championships in Glasgow. We discuss retirement age and winning a championship at 90. And Matt gives us a cheeky little insight into what goes on underneath the velodrome. Stay tuned. Let's, let's do it. Is it brewing? Hmm? It's brewing, yeah. It's brewing. Right. What's, it's going to be brewing? ready in uh, the amount of time I take to crunch this. All right, we're going to get the intros out of the way. Let's get we're, the we, out the way. We, we're really bad at introducing yeah. guests. So this week we've actually got a guest, which is also amazing. Yeah. Someone actually wants to be here, which is great. But uh, <laughs> it's not always like this, Matt. It's always so we've got two Matts here. We've got Matt from Lee Valley Velo Park, who is, I don't know, what do you do? You, you look after 450 bikes here. Yeah, so my day job here is um, as the head mechanic, looking after the higher bikes. Um, been here since it, since it opens. Um, yeah, they also do bits of coaching and stuff on the side as well. So yeah. try and get my fingers stuck in everywhere I can. Nice. So you know all the ins and outs and all the secrets of this place. Then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all the ins and outs of the Lot 10 speed flat Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which we absolutely love. Yeah, nothing bad yeah. to say about that. No, there's there's probably a very good story behind that, isn't there? But I, I, um, I think yeah. So the group sets we've got on the bikes, I think it's all because one of the directors at the time when we opened, he had Campagnolo. Um, so of course we've got Campagnolo. And he loved it, and that's why we've got it. Campag, did, did Campag even make a flat bar group set? Uh, they do the flat bar levers, yeah. Do they? Yeah, yeah, for the wow. Veloce. Yeah, so that's why we've I'm, got I'm half a of them. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah. get hold of it anymore. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that's the like same literally. for all Veloce. Yeah, yeah. yeah, literally can't get hold of it. Are there the any secret underground passages anywhere? Have you been under the track? No. It's like a whole different world under there. Wow. If you ever get, have you guys? Yeah, oh, you showed me a picture. Yeah. Mm. Which is pretty Just, amazing. Yeah, have a little visit down there. Because some, some velodromes you can't get under there at all. Um, and I was at the track in Turkmenistan trying to get under it. And it was like, no, we can't. The track is built into it. Mm. Um, whereas here, yeah, you can walk around. It's like, Oh. Is it like inside a piano? Yeah, yeah, just like that, actually. Yeah. Just crawl into a piano. I'd imagine if you were to compare a photo of the inside of a, a piano oh, and then so the inside of the velodrome and be like, which one's which, you mm. probably wouldn't be able to tell. Wow. Wouldn't it be more like the inside of a cello? <laughs> or something, right? I was just saying, you ever seen the inside of a piano? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Why? What were you doing were you in doing there? there? <laughs> I used to play piano, so... Oh, yeah, that's true. You kind of, like, mess Me around too. with it. I've, I've seen someone, like, take apart a piano a few times. I've tried to tune a piano once, and that was very unsuccessful. Oh, yeah, that's the one ins- one mm. musical instrument that I would never try to tune. Yeah. There's always just some... There's, there's always an old man yeah. with one massive ear <laughs> that just turns up, and it's got all these little, like, tools, and that he tunes your piano. You don't, you don't mess with it. Like, he had symmetrical like ears, but, yeah. Is that um, the same as building wheels, though? Like, I still, I've been building wheels for years and yeah. years, and I still don't believe anyone that says, oh, I can build a wheel just by plucking at the spoke. Yeah, it's bollocks. Yeah, it doesn't wheel work. Up. It's, like, I did have a colleague who did um, 
that initially, like she would kind of like just pick, just to see like if every, every, everything's got some tension in it, and then you start building you, know, you tension yeah, yeah. It up. But yeah, people that think that it oh, should be all the same this one. pitch, <laughs> yeah, or yeah, it's this like, sharp. Yeah, no. I thought that was just a rite of passage that all wheel builders went through. Like you know, it's it's yeah, like tartan paint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can tune a wheel just by yeah, yeah. yeah. And then use your long weight. Yeah, <laughs> and then eventually you find out. Oh, he's just talking bollocks. <laughs> there's a lot of that in the bike industry. I, I think with wheel building, especially. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. I remember when I first learned to do it, and I was like, oh, the magic thing. Um, yeah. And then it's like, no, it's actually you're no, doing it's really you're doing one thing in four different ways. Yeah. And that's it. It's so okay. easy. So you don't need a big ear. No. <laughs> it sounds so simple. Wheel yeah, building yeah. is simple. Yeah. It's just people looking at it always. and see lots of things. They'd be like, oh, it must be hard. No, anyone can do it. They also think that it's kind of like uh, there's some magic to getting really good. It's like, no, it just has to be tight. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty much it. Although, if you come back two weeks later and the wheel's completely buckled, then you know, <laughs> then you, know you didn't do it right the first time. I'm always like, hand one over to someone and go, ride that. And let me know if it's still in one piece like next week. Well, is there a difference though between you know building a wheel from fresh, where everything's fresh, the rim's fresh, and the spokes are fresh, and so on, and the hub's good, and you know someone bringing in a wheel that's been ridden and it's come out of true, and then you've got to retune it. And uh, yeah. the, it, I, I think the worst well is when nuance. people want to reuse spokes. Yeah, mm. that's that doesn't quite work. You can, yeah, if you're doing a rim swap, that could work, but reusing spokes that have been taken out of a hub mm. and then built up into another wheel, that's going to be harder because it's all bedded in in a slightly different way. Yeah. Mm. Why would someone want to do that? Just save costs. Save money. Costs. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Spokes used to be about fifty p mm. each. 50p? Yeah, like 40p for a DT oh. Swiss yeah. double no, button like spoke. three quid or something yeah. each. But surely if you have a new wheel, I mean, for me, I'd want the whole thing to be new because it's, it's lovely to think of that as a, a whole new thing rather than... I think if it's like a commuter or a touring bike or right. something that's just, mm. you know, you know, you just want it to do... It doesn't really matter, yeah, yeah, I guess. It's got to put together, yeah. Like hubs. Hubs is a thing I always find, like... People have got, there are certain brands of used hubs that are like, yeah, that's going to last you forever, you just yeah. keep going, whatever, it doesn't matter if you've got a few marks on it, like Hope or something like that. But then there are some, mm. usually the ones that come with the quite expensive wheels. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, and somebody's like, well, can you rebuild this? I'm like, I could. Yeah. But it was going to break. Yeah. <laughs> brass uh, washers and brass washers yeah. and brass washers. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. No anyway. one knows what those things are, the little tiny What's tiny the most therapeutic thing about building a wheel? I, I'd say that I think most people get into mechanics because it's, it's like a process, isn't mm. it? So it's the same with building wheels. Like, you know, you've got an issue, you have to figure out what's wrong with it. And building wheels, you've got all the spokes and you put them all together. And it's definitely a process that you go through. Mm. And then you come out with like a finished, finished thing. So it's quite therapeutic in that way. Mm. Um, when everything else is all hectic going on and actually you can just focus on this for an hour and then you've got a finished uh, item at the end. Yeah. Does that just not put you in a state of just like uncontrollable rage? No, I think well? I think you've got the control, haven't you? And then you've got no. the steps. No, I do not have the control. When, when you're dealing with the, the bikes, you know, you've got no one arguing back, I guess. But when with bike fitters, I'm sure you you know, you've got issues with Talking your customer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They don't like it when they do that. Yeah. 
So you can't really go through the process when you've got somebody talking back at you. Mm. Mm. You can't also go into the state of rage. But I want a 145 stem. <laughs> I want a 147.5. <laughs> Oh, yeah. we had someone over there who needed a 190, didn't we? No, you didn't. Yeah. True story. Take 100 and uh, 200 and cut it down a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Cut it in half, glue it back together again. Take two tubes, weld them together. Yeah. Did you see that? Did I send you that um, post on mountain bike mechanics? There's some guy who posted uh, a question on a mountain bike forum. It's like, oh, my bars were too... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like... Oh, my bars are too wide, so I cut them down. But now they feel <laughs> now they feel all wobbly. And what he'd done is cut the bar in the middle of the bar, then tried to put the two pieces oh, together and clamp it in the stem. He's like, oh, my bars feel a bit wobbly. What's going on? Compliance. Like, I'm sure Canyon will come up with that as a feature. Oh, special already. They're already thinking about it. Yeah. They'll be marketing that as some sort of new generation two future shock. Mm. <laughs> but the course? Canyon bars do come apart, don't yeah. they? They, they've got yeah. adjustable, but then they broke in that race yeah. Yeah. in the beginning of the year, yeah. and I guess they're not still yeah. doing, are they? They're not still producing. Them. If that yeah. happened to my stuff really? on television, I would take it off the market yeah. immediately. The fact that they haven't—that's weird. That I mean, I guess they're going to sell, right? Uh, yeah, like all that. So the, their latest that and greatest. Your voice doesn't change. <laughs> Yeah, the latest yeah. Uh, Canyon Endure race that just came out, yeah. CFR, whatever. It's, uh, you know, mm. it what used to CFR be... I don't know, oh, some marketing crap. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's put some letters on it. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so it's got all integrated with the special integrated handlebars, <laughs> which mm. have... Yeah, they have uh, width adjustment, which is great. They have a little bit of height adjustment. Can you adjust the actual length of the stem? No, you can't. So just, yeah. Can you use a different bar and stem? No. No. What you would gain in the aerodynamic advantage of having everything integrated, how much would you then lose if the bike was fitted wrong and you put yourself in an uncomfortable position? The rider generally accounts for up to 80% of the drag on a bicycle. Okay. Aerodynamics does not really matter yeah. at our kind of level. Like, Are we going to see the big brands going back down the route of having stems that you can change? No, they make too much money. Yeah. They toyed with it. It was brilliant. And they're like, no, SLA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's now like, they've gone completely you know, into yeah, You know that bar and stem that didn't work very well on the SL7? Well, what we've done is we've painted it slightly differently. <laughs> no, that's, that's quite cynical, but also a lot of truth in it. Are you um, hoping to get any like partners come into this podcast? Would you look at Specialised or, or <laughs> Canyon? Does it sound like that? This week's episode sponsored think, by Specialised. I mean, I we're already going out on a limb by getting you in <laughs> yeah. here. We're, we're going to get kicked out this building. <laughs> <laughs> what we want, we want sponsorship, right? Mm. We want some funding, but we don't want it from bike brands. We want it from other stuff like coffee brands or mm. beer or something completely unrelated to well, just just like the rest so of the bike industry. Let's get like building brands great. in and people who make Should toothpaste. We try and get quick and, step floors. In? Yeah, quick step floors. Yeah. You could, your floor could do with a, with an update. Yeah, I like this like, floor. Yeah, but like right. maybe yeah, but can you imagine if it was like parquet flooring? 
Oh, fantastic, wouldn't that'd it? That'd be amazing. And then you'd need somebody to do windows. I think, they, I think they've yeah. got a related like sister company, possibly. Um, yeah. You can get a proper booth to do the podcasting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Some lighting. Some, uh, yeah, some cameras. And we get sponsored yeah. by Canyon. Canon. 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 Sponsored by Canon. And then we just, yeah. we can last episode. The Canyon ship is definitely sailing. <laughs> 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 if if Canyon did a ship, it would not sail. <laughs> It'd be at the bottom of an ocean like that submarine. Oh dear. <laughs> Speaking of carbon fiber. So. Oh God. Uh, so what are we actually talking about today? Uh, well. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, we do have Matt here, and Matt, apart from his uh, fantastic mechanics, does... Well, you were recently at Worlds, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, so um, I went up to Glasgow with uh, Team Kenya. Um, so I met them originally when the Commonwealth Games were here. Um, their bike hadn't arrived. So I had a few people asking me, oh, can we lend them a bike for training on, hoping that their bike would turn up. And of course it never did, so they ended up racing on one of our hire bikes, wow. which broke a few rules, but we kind of ignored it because it was a <laughs> Commonwealth case. Um, but then ever since then, I uh, kept in contact with them. And of course, coming, into, coming towards Glasgow, I was like, actually, I could probably do the same. So I lent them nice. a bike for tandem. Um, they didn't race on the track, but they did the road events. So, well, the power road, the time trial, the road race. So yeah, I went up there, uh, went up to Glasgow, took the bike up, and then ended up spending the whole week, week with them. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, it was good actually. It was, it was nice to kind of because all the big events I've been to, like or worked on, it's always been you know as part of the venue, or as part of like mm. the technical stuff. So then to go, you know, as part of a team, that was really interesting. It was like a little bit different, and you sort of saw different things and. Yeah, were you? Did you? Did you see anyone that you've worked with in the past? Up there? Did you? Yeah, there's, there's always familiar faces. So kind of like camaraderie with the other yeah, teams I, and stuff like that. I'll tell you what, the camaraderie I saw was between the African nations. Mm. Um, I mean, you wouldn't, maybe you would, but I doubt you'd ever get sort of a, you know, a Team GB or something working with the Australians. Mm. But you had the the Kenyans were helping out the Rwandans, and the Rwandans nice. were helping out the Kenyans, and they were sharing a lot of stuff. Even just logistics, you know, because even though it was the Glasgow World Championships, there was about 200 miles in between the, the venues. Mm. Yeah. Sort of yeah, you, don't, you don't sort of think about that when you see the events. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's one stream and that's another stream. Mm. You don't realise it there. Yeah, imagine if you could have part. everything in one city. Like... The downhill mountain biking. Oh, can you imagine oh, downhill yeah. through the through city? Glasgow. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, town were, were you happy with the results? So, yeah, um, the two guys I uh, were helping out, it was Kennedy, the visually impaired rider, and Peter, his pilot. Um, so they ended up the fastest Africans in the time trial. Um, and then in the road race, um, they even beat the Malaysians as well. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I think, hopefully now, they've got the UCI points, they've had the yeah. placing in the worlds, so now it's looking at the Paralympics oh, in Paris cool. next year. That's amazing. Yeah, that um, I can't imagine. Just can't imagine. Like how, how, like how visually impaired are we talking? Like um, he can say so he can get about. He's not yeah. completely, not completely blind. But if you were to like say put on like a, an eye mask or something to give us similar acuity to what he had, you would never in a million years want to get on a bike. 
and that's like the just yeah, there's must be like seriously exhilarating as well. Like. There's a lot of trust yeah. between the pilot yeah. and the uh, and the stoker. Um, like so, in back in Kenya, they're actually their neighbours, oh, so okay. they um, they see each other most days. They're with each other most days, um, but also it's not just the t like the pairing on the tandem because you could get two people and they'll be perfect on the tandem. They mm. work really well, but if they don't get on the rest of the time, it's yeah. never going to work. Yeah, and it's for the the pilots. It is it is like a twenty four hour job. Um, you know, because they're rooming together, um, they're guiding the training, the training, they're guiding yeah. even to and from breakfast and right. stuff. So, yeah, it's seeing those two work together was really, really, mm. like, it was really nice. Um, there was some pairings. I think it was the the Swiss team. I don't know what happened, but in the end, one of the um, their pilots didn't race, so they were signed up to race, yeah. didn't race. Um, and they had to have somebody else step in at the last minute. And I think that would be an absolute That would nightmare. be a, yeah. 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 But yeah, no, I absolutely loved it there. Um, I got to see, well, I got to help out the under 23 uh, uh, men's race rider, which is Moses. Mm. Um, but so he'd never been in the UK before, never left Kenya. Wow. So it was all very, yeah. very last minute with right. of issues. Glasgow um, was the first thing you saw. Yeah, 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 it was so. me at the airport. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, he was in the race. I think normally in a world championships, the under twenty three race, you know, will come before the men's elites race. But of course, this one it was all flipped around. So now you've seen all these under twenty well, all these under twenty three riders have seen what's happened in the elite race. Yeah. So it was spicy yeah. right from the beginning. Everyone wanted to make sure they were in that front group coming yeah. into mm, Glasgow. Mm. And uh, as great as Moses was on a bike, he's never experienced that before. He's never <clears> experienced like a, you know, 85 kilo Belgian 22 year old on his shoulder, mm -hmm. you know. So they did suffer, suffer there a little bit. Yeah. Mm. But uh, it was a great experience for everyone. Mm. And having everything happening at the same time was just, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the fans as well. I don't know if the riders really enjoyed sort of the enjoyed the circuit the road circuit mm -hmm. but um i, 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 I made a, i made a few social media comments <laughs> about <laughs> i was like, like probably not probably not too popular with glaswegians at the moment what was what were um, the comments just I, i'm not going to say this <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to click the explicit button yeah, but, yeah. but i was mm. like I can't, you can't mm. uh, yeah yes it was it, it did make it exciting racing right because you know, most mm. inner city crits are quite exciting because the roads are shoddy. Mm. Yeah. But um, there were, yeah, there were some bits. I mean, you know, even Vanderpol like going down like that. Although he did a bit of a silly move. And the mountain bike thing. No, no, and the, in the, in the road. <laughs> he, went, no, he did no, both. Didn't that, he? that was his own fault, man. Yeah. Jesus. I know. That was and terrible. He crashed, wasn't it? he crashed in the road race and then he won it, right? Um, <laughs> but oh, yeah, no, yeah. The, the, I just, you know, I'm. It's funny because I was having this conversation with somebody about Formula One the other day. I was saying, like, oh, it's just like now it's like way too safe. The excitement's gone. It's like the engines are like nothing. You know, you want some danger. And they were like, no, you should, as a professional sports person, you should never have to, you know, be in, be at mortal risk, you know, for your, mm. for your chosen um, sport. But at the same time, I kind of saw the other flip side of it because in the cycling, I was like, I would, if I saw that course, I'd be like, 
I'm not racing on that. That's that's insane. That's I, like some really years ago when I started racing, somebody once told me that there's no such thing as an unsafe course. It's just unsafe riders. And <laughs> it's true though. Like you, you know, we've all I don't, I don't know. If we all raced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd do some races where you didn't feel that confident, but mm. yeah, there was other riders that did really, really well. And yeah. I think with this world, with, you know, Van der Poel and Capecchi, they're the riders you expected to do, mm. to do well. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think it was brilliant. I think it was just, it was exciting in hindsight uh, after watching it. I just thought initially, I was like, yeah, you're right. There are, there are only, there's only unsafe riders, but they're everywhere. <laughs> That's the problem. It's like you know, it's like the it's like the car thing, isn't it? It's like oh, this this road is uh, safe. Yeah. It's like, well, no, not if somebody decides to do 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I mean, that's that's racing, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. true and absolutely right. I've been I've been told well and truly, and I agree that it should yeah. be as dangerous as possible. Yeah. I, yeah. To be I mean, if you don't like crit racing, a, just go should... do a time trial. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me do it. Yeah. I'll borrow your bike. I once did a downhill race um, and. It should have been called off because the, the weather beforehand was just terrible. And I spent most you of the sound time like the on my ass. No, it's terrible. I was going faster on my ass down the hill. Um, and I remember going so through one of the, the checkpoints. I mean, and yeah. the guy, I was only 15 at the time, it was quite mean. He just started laughing because he knew what number it was. And he was like, you might as well just stop, you know. And I was thinking, no, I'm not going to stop because obviously I'm going to go down the course. And I carried on on my ass, And I made it, but I did uh, almost came last. So, you know, it wasn't very fun, I yeah. must admit. I... Okay, I've, I've just remembered one race I did once, so I'll, I'll take back my previous comment. Was um, <laughs> it was at the London Bike Show when they held it held it at the mm. Excel mm. Centre? Was it the Excel? Yeah, and yeah. it was the indoor crit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that then that was racing into that first corner, which they then they had painted, so it was a little bit grippier. But <laughs> it wasn't carpet then. <laughs> it was. No, it was. Yeah, that terrified me. And I think once I had that sort of that first corner was the worst corner. And then I just got. I went through the field after that. I was yeah. out of the back. Mm. That's, it's easy to lose. Uh, it's easy to lose confidence yeah. in in racing. I mean, the, yeah, it's uh, again. There's two ways to go. There's either you lose confidence and you're like, okay, I'm going to back off. I'm not going to go for the sprint. I'm not going to go through this corner too fast. I'm going to, you know, and, and then everyone passes you. And then you've got people like me who just go, I don't care, and I've broken. But again, you have to take. You have to. You have to take the rough with the smooth, don't you? You mm. sort of have to decide, okay, is it worth the risk? Like, at my age, I'm not going to do any more crits because I know it's dangerous and I have to work for a living. But when I was younger, um, I was... You bounce. You bounce. Mm. You bounce. You break Sometimes. stuff and you come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You come back really quick. And again, mountain biking is mm. another thing. Mm. Get mm. me on a mountain bike and as soon as you remove the other pe people from the equation <laughs> and you're on your own and then it's like I then I'm a lot more confident to do what you, some might consider as risky depends things. if you're chasing someone though because then you go faster don't you I remember doing a cyclocross yes, race last year so, and I yeah. went way faster on the descent yeah. skills trying to catch people yeah. so but, the commonality here is remove the people yeah things get better let's just all ride on our own <laughs> time trials time trials time trials yeah. Yeah. look at some of the circuits that you've got around London like you know, Hillingdon. Hillingdon is notorious for being a sketchy circuit, Spillingdon. Yeah. But then it's... <laughs> this is called Crash Valley as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then it's it's a perfect circuit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wide. Mm. You know, it's good 
it's not guitar that many Mac. corners. There's yeah, there's no extreme corners. There's no big descents. Uh, it's a perfect circuit to ride your bike fast on. Mm. It only becomes an issue yeah when you put other people in there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we just need well, to get. How, how many broken collarbones do you get a week here? Like... Hey, it seems it seems quite safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big crashes happen in all races, don't they? Mm. Yeah. In, are we talking about road circuit or are we talking about velodrome? Um, well, I think probably some... more more happens on the road circuit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, um, I have a punctured lung to a test. Pass a that. test to go on the road circuit. Do you? No, you don't have to pass a test. You don't have to do any kind of accreditation, exactly. Matt. Yeah, <laughs> it's just insane. I don't understand <laughs> well, how gone, they allow this. But they do, and that's why I've got... Well, the, the Surrey League and the South East Road Race League did... Um, you had to do two intro sessions before mm. you could race in their fourth cat races. I don't know if that was ever then adopted elsewhere. I don't think so, which is a shame. I think I really think it should be. I think, you know, especially if you're a parent and you, you, know, you want to mm. get your kids mm. to do it, mm. you just want at least every rider be on the same page. Like the velodrome accreditation, that makes sense, right? At least people are like, OK, you can't overtake on the left. Mm. You've got to be, and you've got the lines and stuff like that. Maybe they could paint coloured lines around the road circuit. <laughs> We're saying that down at, in Brighton at Preston Park, where they do the the circuits. That's a good yeah. one, that one. Yeah, but it's a it's a well, the track is the track. Um, but then when you've got road crits on there, mm. all the tra the track rules that I've learned, you know, don't undertake. If you're in the you know below the sprinters line, you don't go underneath. Someone else can't go underneath it. But then you put a road course on there. And all those track rules disappear. Well, and then that's when you've got issues as well. Mm. But yeah, there's no such thing as this. Oh, I think the track outside circuit. is really nice. Yeah. I, I tried it out for last week for mm. the first time, and my partner comes here basically almost every day. Now. You mean this one? She's yeah, she loves it because you don't have to, you don't have to break. compete with roads, you have no pollution, you have no cars. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's really good. I mean, in that, in that sense, like mm. that you, when you take cars out of the equation, you take drivers out of the equation, mm. you feel way safer mm. so you end up being the risk to yourself which is i'm happy with that mm. you know i think that's that's but again the more variables you introduce so like my mind right there was you said you become the risk to yourself yeah my mind was like you become the problem <laughs> <laughs> i say risk you say problem <laughs> let's call the whole thing off. Yeah. Well, how did how do your um uh, african guys uh, and kind of take the road race. How did Moses um, feel afterwards? Um, yeah, so in the in the time trial, it's all like that was that was brilliant. They did everything they had to do. Um, I think the difference is then it just came down to they they did get overtaken by a few of their minutemen, um, but the kit that some of these other teams had, we're, like, we're talking thousands and thousands of pounds, mm. you know, mm. full full carbon rigs, like fully like tested to an inch of their you know, aerodynamic yeah. life. Like mm -hmm. they looked proper, like absolute machines on those bikes. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, yeah, Kennedy and Peter, who's sort of on a bike that I bought up for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, they did well, they yeah. did well. That's amazing though. Yeah, yeah um, just describe the bike. So it was a uh, aluminium tandem, which I mean, most, most tandems are still aluminium because mm. it's a little yeah, bit. Yeah beefier um yeah it had because i put my group set onto it oh, did you so it had, yeah <laughs> so i wanted to try and make it a little bit racier um so it has a you know a force one by which was actually worked quite well on that on that uh, course um but yeah they hadn't been on the bike before 
the day before the race. Wow. You know, so that was a bit of a... How did yeah. you like... How did you fit them to the bike? Yeah. <laughs> did, you, well. did you eyeball it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could have taken well, us with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a turbo trainer set up in the hotel nice. room. And mm. It's like yeah. building wheels, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, with what we had, because they did bring a bike with them, um, but yeah, they couldn't have raced on it. Because unfortunately, like, it's, you know, it's the, not the, well, the issue with a lot of uh, these nations coming from Africa, like, they don't have the same support, even the same, mm-hmm. same, um, access to components mm. or anything. Mm. So, the bike he he bought with him was, you know, it was an older bike, a mix of mountain bike components and road components, mm. and it was, it was works fine for them to ride. But as soon as you sort of want to race on it, I think that's mm. going to yeah. be. Mm. How did issue. you get this job? Like what? Sorry. Oh, um, so with the Kenyans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was I your just, personal interest as well? Yeah. Um, I've just been, yeah, ever since I met them at the Commonwealths, uh, just been kept in touch. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, I felt like it was a, if it, it was any way I could support yeah. them, I was going to take the uh, take the opportunity to do nice. so. Yeah, I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't expecting to sort of have as much involvement as I did on the way up. Um, but in the end, because of, yeah, being a small team, um, and with the races being, you know, so far away from each other, with the like the able-bodied stuff as well as the mm. the power, um, yeah, I had a car, mm-hmm. um, and I could drive them to and from these the start lines as well. So, yeah, um, it was good. Yeah. And I think now, um, hopefully, I'm going to use my coaching qualifications and actually um, get them into a better position um, before the Paralympics next year. Okay. That's the what's the setup like in terms of like the the federation in in Kenya and what they kind of have to work with to train it's, for something as big yeah, as the like World Champs? It's all part time. Okay, you know here obviously you've got well British cycling and you've got riders that can train full time. Um, these guys have got other jobs. They actually they work in bike shops as mm. like um, selling second hand bikes. Um, there's a big market for second hand bikes from England to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where they've all gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, it's, and even the people that work uh, as part of the federations, like the team managers, um, they've all got second jobs. So, this is all just, they've got an interest in their, their doing so I guess it. cycling is still like a relatively new kind yeah. of sport, effectively, in these African nations compared yeah. to like more established sports like running, football, athletics, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, athletics is the big one yeah. in Kenya. Um, but it's a lot of it is down to the state of the roads as well. Yeah. Um, like training is you playing with your life a lot of time. Like we, we think we've got it bad here with um, you know drivers and stuff just because the the amount of drivers on the road. But there, like there's been um, cases where riders just been hit and left. Yeah. You know, lots of hit and runs and stuff, and obviously. I thought you were going to say some kind of. Crazy animals that you have to compete with. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm hoping. Um, I'm hoping to get out there and actually visit. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've got the invites, and I just need to. Is there? A, is it, are there events out there that? Yeah, there's uh, gravel's big. So okay. gravel's on yeah. the yeah. road. I was going to say, well, yeah, if yeah. you haven't got roads, you've got yeah, you've definitely got gravel. And you've got um, there's one team. That, um, is it Team Amani that have had sort of support from Wahoo and Factor? Nice. Oh, okay. um, so they're doing quite well. There's riders from there. That have been coming over and doing. I think somebody was at the Nordic Gravel Series the other week, 
um, the worlds and stuff. That'd be interesting to see the different dynamic now that gravel has become a yeah. professional sport, and mm. and it's kind of, you know, there's room for some different nationalities yeah. to actually get into cycling. Yeah, there's, yeah, and I think so. The big thing I noticed was obviously during even looking at the time trial, like the elite TT for the men and the women. Um, yeah, the riders that are up at the those pointy ends, you expect them to be there. But just imagine the the power sort of the other riders are doing, but on kit that is you know fifteen years old, yeah. clip on aero bars, mm -hmm. you know, mm. like if they had the same support and the same products, everything would be different. Yeah. There's a lot of it's not a level playing field. No, mm. it's a it's a mechanical arms race effectively. Yeah, and the more money you have the better equipment you can afford and the yeah. better chance your riders are going to be to play higher. And this is kind of like, yeah, what irks me about bike racing a little bit, basically, is there is an element of mechanical and financial doping, effectively. Yeah. Because, you know, you have two people with the same ability. <laughs> Alarm goes off, yeah. he said doping. <laughs> <laughs> two people, same ability. One's on a 1,500-pound bike from 10 years ago. One's on a brand-new, you know, super bike. It's, it's not a fair race. Yeah, not I mean, all. yes, and also I spend a lot of time telling people you don't need that. No, of course. Uh, I'm being like facetious. There's obviously a lot more nuance to it. You're right it in the matters. sense. Of, yeah, it does matter, and especially particularly in the sense of what's that, what's that banging? <laughs> particularly in the sense of um, objections. Um, <laughs> objections. Yeah. Yeah. So, shouldn't have said doping. Um, uh, particularly in the sense of um, uh, when you're at that level. Like every, everything does count. Everything That's when those yeah. those things start to count, even if it's just my bike looks cool. You know, even if it's just that that visual sense of of oh that's new. You know, yeah. I'm gonna I feel more confident. Helmets. Oh yeah, skin suits bike and helmets definitely. Yeah, right? yeah, we know all that stuff matters. Well, yeah. If you're not getting yeah, if you're if you're fitting <laughs> in a hotel room, like yeah, know, yeah. Like, yeah. The difference between that and then having yeah. somebody who's been studying it for God knows how long, and then you know, mm. kind of like getting in the wind tunnel and having a full extensive fit, and it's uh, having your choice of saddles, having your yeah. choice of handlebar widths, and and everything else, you know, to to make it as ergonomic as possible. Well, we were talking last night with uh, someone about how the average speed of races is just going up and up and up. And even, even at the amateur level, like at, uh, they were referencing Hillingdon, how yeah. the average speed has gone up from like 40, what was it, 42 to 48, to 48 really? k an hour. Yeah, See, yeah, I noticed that like That's a big doing league races like 15 years ago, like if it was hitting 40 kilometer an hour average, like that'd be a fairly spicy race. Yeah. Like, but now, even just a couple of years ago, we did the same circuit. It was like up to 44, and you're like, yeah. it's meant to be a hilly race. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> you know? um, I don't, yeah, is, is that down to the bikes, or is it down to Zwift? Well, he was citing for, like, a couple of factors, really. So the bikes, everyone's on faster bikes now. Yeah. Skin suits yeah. and helmets, so position and aerodynamic stuff. And then the other thing is sports science, the way people are training the way people are fueling. Uh, people are a lot more tuned in now to how they're training, the importance of recovery, yeah. like intensity control, what they're consuming, when they're consuming it, and treating the body as an engine 
rather than you know just you know this is something that we do on a weekend so it's the, people are taking it a lot more seriously mm -hmm. you still can't take corners <laughs> um, essentially, it's like the rise. Well, it's like the rise of the professional amateur. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah but how, I wonder how much of that. Yeah. Okay. Nutrition, equipment, all that stuff. But how much of it is just people are exploring their limits more because they're because there's a lot more information out there from the professional level mm. where mm. you can see. Mm. Okay, like you know the difference with a lot of people between you know going this having this average speed on your ride and having that average speed is a lot of it is just oh i didn't realize i could push myself that hard and i'm still alive i'm going to keep pushing <laughs> you know i didn't have a heart attack yeah well, exactly. does that mean pros are getting faster as well then? i think the races are getting faster i don't think people are getting faster mm. i think it's just that like you know so they, they're always talking about it oh now the racing mm. has gone from the gun it's going mm. you know it's, it's it's super fast you know they're still they're still paying for it because if it is equipment based it must you must have you must see that improvement on both amateurs and pros right because uh, i think pros have always had access to like the best equipment mm. and i think the the level of racing i think the amount of people racing at a certain high level is probably more these days uh, just like looking at like the, the current tour de france and so on mm. like those guys are just there's so many people that are so good mm. uh, and just being able to race day after day after day after day without doping. For <laughs> 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 so the listeners at home, Wade just made an inverted commas hand gesture. Well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt mm. without doping, but they're still faster than, you know, mm. when everything um, was doping. I'll interject. Their seasons are getting shorter. Are they, though? I think so. I think if you look, so not if you won't run off. Well, yeah, but then he he'll do nothing, 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 nothing. Have a, you know, a few do some classics, do some tours, and then well, we'll see. Like he's not is he cyclocross. He's doing cross, man. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not till the winter. Cross yeah. classics. Grand Tours. He spends most of the well, time injured, uh, though, so that's probably... Uh, no, he's, doing, he's not doing Brussels, <laughs> he's, he's doing, doing uh, Tour of Britain. He's in Tour of Britain. He's in Tour of Britain, so he's not doing the Welter. No. Tour of Britain, I, I come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I think there's the intensity. I think, just like, I think people are getting smarter. I yeah. think it's the information that's out there now. Because mm. you've got people like um, Inigo San Milan who are going on mm. GCN, so it's like the masses, like, yeah. and learning about like Zone 2 stuff, yeah. which isn't rocket science, it's just intensity mm. control. Yeah. So people are doing are training smarter. They have coaches. They have power meters. They have things to regulate them, i.e., slow them down, so they can do more training, yeah. recover faster, yeah. and then put the effort in when it matters. So people are getting smarter because there's a lot more information yeah. out there. Ten, fifteen years ago, there was only a handful of people that knew this stuff. Like you know, Team Sky, like Brailsford, and all those mm -hmm. people. They were like the marginal gains crowd. Now everyone, like you know, like Jim from finance is into his marginal gains. Yeah, I know everyone's got a, <laughs> got a, an armband. Exactly, on everyone's and... got like a super sapiens glucose monitor, and you know it's it's insane. But like the knowledge that's out there now and the, it's how accessible it is, I think mm -hmm. that's a big part of why getting people are, people are getting faster. Is it accessible because people have got a lot of disposable income? Yeah. So then the disparity between those people yeah. and let's say Team Kenya. Or anyone else around the world. Mm. And it's you see that at, at Hillingdon, you see it here. We see it magnified in what you were saying about 
about them yeah. not having the equipment and not having the, you know, Funding. give them all that. And then, I mean, it doesn't even take that much money. It just takes speaking to the right people, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's also about how, how you use that money. Like, how smart are you with doing it? Like, as Matt was saying, there's a lot more um, knowledge mm. that is available and accessible. And so you can be more smart. But there's also a lot of, um, well, misuse or just, like, throwing money at the problem. I mean, I mean the classic... The, not, not abuse, but abuse like, of funds. you know, that's a little bit harsh. But like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy to buy your way to more speed mm. if you want to. Or like the, the feeling is that you can just buy your way to more speed. Is that right easy. or wrong? You can to a point, right? There's always like a steep curve. So if you're going yeah. from like, you know, a bike with, you know, a mountain bike group set on it from 20 years ago to go on something like even just more modern yeah. like that works and is smooth and there's less friction and yeah. all this kind of stuff you're going to see a gain but there's always going to be a point where you're going to throw like the difference between a 1500 pound bike and a 5000 pound bike is massive the difference between a 5000 pound bike and an 8000 pound bike is not, smaller yeah. an 8 to a 12 pound bike 1000 pound bike there's no difference yeah. so the gains are always going to get incrementally smaller as you get more towards mm. the point here and the individual will plateau at some point. Yeah. You can't keep getting faster. There's loads faster, of different factors, <coughs> but it's mm. that kind of, yeah, you can throw money at it to a point, mm. but then there's a point where you need to actually think about what it is that you're doing. Yeah, power meters is a classic. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. always like, oh, I need a power meter, I need a power meter. Really? Like, it's <laughs> not going to ride your bike for you, but yeah. it's going to make it heavier. <coughs> the, I think the support staff as well has yeah. a lot to do with it. Like looking at the Team GB, like you know, for every rider, they've probably got what like one support staff. There's a lot of people there yeah. that aren't riding. Um, yeah, for when I was helping with the Kenyans, it was me and two others and four riders. Yeah. So it was a small team, but you just imagine you've got you know the other teams have got the dietitians. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, someone making sure they're all well, the soigneurs and. You know, a team of mechanics and everything. Did you have to do the massages as well? Then? I gave him a little pre pre warm up. Did you? Yeah, pre race nice. pre race work, uh, mm. Rob. Um, I did ask them to shave their legs, but they refused to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you see, that that was probably twenty seconds there on the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason they lost. I didn't win, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, but it's, it's part of the for me anyway. When I was racing, it's part of the routine, isn't it? You get your legs. Mm. In, I mean, who, it didn't matter who was doing it little bit of tanning oil on the legs mm. will set you right up. That smell of invocation. <laughs> that got that Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always sort of going across. What a treat. The, yeah, <laughs> but going across the races in Belgium, like um, I took uh, my partner Alice out to Belgium um, in the summer, well, a few weeks, so a couple of months ago. Um, it was just walking to that, uh, walking to the sign-on in a pub in the little side room of a pub, and you can smell that like mixture of the cigarettes outside, <laughs> the the alcohol, the pints that are everywhere, and that invocation smell, and that that's like the Kermesse racing with the you know you've got your burgers and your hot dogs in the background yeah. as well. Yeah. Like that's Ooh. just something you can't replicate. You have yeah. to experience it. Yeah. <laughs> bottle that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Kermesse. But can you imagine trying to explain that, that kind of emotion and feeling and, you know, to new riders who do not have the same connection to that history or segment of cycling and so yeah. Or even like talking 
when you listen to the Tour de France and the commentators talking to newer riders and they don't know who, well, I don't know, I'm tra- like, yeah, Sean Kelly or, I don't know, Eddie Merckx. Everyone knows Eddie Merckx, right? But, you know, there, there are kind of the, uh, like, Bernardino, like, mm. all these kind of bigger names that maybe we grew up with or our, we know through the history of the sport. But there are riders who just come into the sport just as bike riders and there's not that same connection or history or emotion with it. I mean, they're, uh, they're making history right now, right? They're, yeah, that's yeah. That's what they're learning there yeah. and they, they make their connections. <clears throat> well, going back to this, you know, why races are so fast, is it because they are fully televised? So many races now, we've got a lot more... Le Mans cars, yeah, Le Mans motors. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, exactly. I, I was thinking more, yeah, there's a lot more to... Pressure um, on... Yeah. A lot more pressure. Um, mm. For the riders to perform, oh, whereas the negative stuff. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> even, even if you go back, you know, fifteen years ago, the only race you could possibly see on the TV was the maybe the Tour. Yeah, mm. uh, and, and then you'd still only see the last yeah thirty k. Yeah, but now you've got races yeah happening from January February onwards where yeah. you can watch the whole thing yeah. live mm. on GCN. It, there's a reason that there is a reason that flat stages were called transition stages, right? They were just they were the only reason that they were there was just to get all the riders in the whole caravan from one town to another mm. town where the next big stage, the big hill climbs would start. Mm. Now it's like you know, you watch all this old footage and they're just drinking like yeah. eating a banana, drinking some terrible <laughs> run into the casket yeah. and they're just chatting and all and all mm. sorts and now it's like from the gun they are. Well, the last in it. Did, did we like this year's Tour de France where they mixed up the, the course? It was, you know, hilly straight away. There's no hardly mm. any transition it was, it was, stages. From really. the get-go, it was absolutely mental, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was so, I found it really entertaining. Um, I think it can go one or two ways, though. If you have high mountains in the first week, mm. you can either get, like, a Vingegaard, somewhere like that, or a Pogaccia if he was mm. on form, just, like, pulling away and the race is done. He was on form, like he just got week. beaten. <laughs> he doesn't like the heat. He doesn't do well you know in the heat. It's doesn't like it? you've got, yeah. like, the big GC guys who can either put, like, a massive gap in the first week and the race mm. is over, and then it's a long three weeks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or it can really blow apart, mm. and it's quite exciting. Mm. So it's a risk, like, on mm. the part of the organisation. They do a lot so, for entertainment. They exactly. do a lot for the purpose yeah. of entertainment, and it starts to get to the point where, like, if it's not exciting, it's because the riders aren't really doing. Yeah, they're not going for it. So, you, if you artificially try to force them into racing certain ways, it's going to make things suffer in a you know different way. And then, yeah. like, what I'm getting at is, are they basically encouraging people to get a little help? Well, I think this year's by tour making it like, so hard. Yeah, you know? I think this year's tour was super exciting. Mm. Oh yeah, like, I mean, no, like, I totally agree. I think yeah. they should all be doping. It's fucking awesome. That's what, like, you know, cut, cut, like, cut, cut. The nineties was awesome. But in terms yeah. of like the route and like, yeah, you know, like yeah. high mountains in the first week, that kind of thing, I mm. think that kind of made for quite exciting racing. Yeah. But but like I say, does but, that yeah, is that it, not encouraging? Like that's going to be really hard. Mm. People, if you're a twenty-two year old. And it's like, is this going to be my career or am I going home to work in my mm, yeah, parents' uh, restaurant, mm. whatever it is? I still like to, you know, think that it's clean. That if, I mean, I like to. Yeah, think it, it, I think it, it has to be, really. Um, if you really want to talk about people getting performance enhancing aids, it's just going to look at the Masters racing. 
you know, or the, I wasn't going to say yeah, anything. Like, or even people doing laps of Regent's Park. Like I was there this morning. Yeah. Did you see people flying around? Any, uh, doping? Uh, I no comment. <laughs> No, I haven't seen people sticking needles in their arms, no, but, yeah. but there's a, basically there's a difference between somebody who's had a few too many coffees mm. and somebody who has <laughs> not had a few too many coffees, you know what I mean, because there, there is like, there's a bit of an attitude that mm. goes on and, and you can, it's kind of, it's not exactly a secret. Mm. But, I don't think this is unique to cycling. Not at all. Absolutely not. Yeah. So you think masses? I'm masses sure on the park run, run they're all over it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, yeah. Or you just got to look at triathlon as well. Triathlon, yeah. oh my word. Well, Vinokura was cleaning up in triathlon. <laughs> Didn't he just win, what was that, gravel? That was Grand Fondo, wasn't it? Oh, the Grand Fondo. Should there be, um, should there be limitations to who can actually enter these events? Not given, not whether they have a sordid history or a past or whatever, just if you are a pro, right, and then you've retired, is it time for you to go, let someone else play? This no. isn't really fair. No. No. <laughs> no. I. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, I want to see Lance Armstrong yeah. in the Grand Fondo. He'll be back. That'd be hilarious. I don't see why not. I think that's my my one. Um, yeah, one chance of ever getting a national title is just to be the last one standing. <laughs> Wait until you're like ninety, yeah, and then just, you enter a I category start, where it's just I've you. Got Twenty or so years to start the training. Yeah, and then I'll be peaking for the peaking for my ninety <laughs> fifth birthday. Was there a lot of um, doping control through the, um, the world? I we never experienced any of it. Yeah, um, not with the not with the Kenyans. Missed opportunity there. I mean, they, but that's the thing. You know, they, you, they can't they can't um, they can't test every every yeah. single rider, right? They have to just go. Well, there's no point testing people who are not competing for the let's say the top ten. Or top twenty or whatever, just concentrate on those people because doesn't, doesn't, if you're if you're doping but you're nowhere, nobody cares anymore. They don't I care if you're I, winning. I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but I'm pretty sure that anyone that's got busted for doping recently isn't just because of a, a test. I think there's the there's a lot more people aware of it. I think there's mm. a lot of people willing to dob someone in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, people don't want to see it. Yeah, you'd be yeah. pretty annoyed, wouldn't you, being a yeah. racer and having knowing kind of someone's doing it. That would be. Yeah, I mean, if you knew somebody was doing it, but at yeah. the same time, if you're also doing it, that's when, that's how you end up with this culture that you know, we have in it? professional sport. Mm. You know, people, there's a lot of money involved. People are betting. There's a lot of pressure on very young people who are naive. They don't really know any better. And if you get to the point where it's like, well, either you take this or go home. Mm. And don't do this anymore. You, that's I know that's the decision I'd make if I was that young, mm. and somebody gave me that sort of ultimatum. Probably I'd do it too. You know. Well, we had it a few years ago, didn't we? Yeah. Um, it was the London time trialist. I can't remember his name. Rode for one of the London clubs. Mm. He was eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. Eighteen, nineteen. Jesus. Yeah. I just say it's, it's too many. The scapegoating the riders is just like, mm. you know, it's just it's totally wrong. And obviously, there's a culture of it and there's governing bodies that are responsible for it and they need to be the ones who are chastised. But, it, but it's also a, like a very clear responsibility of the athlete. You just, if you are a professional athlete, you just have to be very, very strict or cognizant of the parameters in which you operate in. You know, if you 
take a, a, a legitimate drug, but it's got traces of mm. something else, or even like a gel that's been produced in a factory that's touched other substances which are banned, then, you know, you get done for it. And where, do, where do you stop though? Where do you, where do you set the thresholds? All of a sudden now they've got an entire like Bible of banned substances and imagine the confusion, especially if you're young, you just want to race your bike. You know, yeah, do you have to go through that's a... Your yeah, that's, as a professional, that's, right? a, that's a professional, yeah. You just it's like me to... with my lactose intolerance. I have to check the ingredients yeah. on the back of yeah. the, every yeah, packet. Yeah, literally. Before. Otherwise, you pay yeah. the price. Yeah. <laughs> I go faster, though, I once think I'm if, done. If you're buying sketchy supplements, then... Yeah, there are a lot of supplements, aren't there? There are, there are so many. There's a new one every week, it seems like. And there's, um, I suppose, if, if a company gets big enough and popular enough, it's going to be within their interests as well, not to make sure that their products are clean. What were Yumbo playing with? Bicarb? Oh, they've been doing that for years, years and years and years, though, haven't they? Yeah, Bicarb's, yeah, it's been proven. kitchen cupboards. Yeah. I heard they just dropped some Mentos in a bottle of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, talking about supplements, I, I still stand by Coke and water. Half, half Coke, half water. Yeah. It's got me out of many a... Sugar, a sticky yeah. situation. Yeah. Really? You know. Well, that, that's just um, that's just uh, fueling 101. It's, you yeah. just need glucose. You just yeah. need sugar. Bottom to sugar. Yeah. There's uh, like there's the anti-sugar brigade there now, and you know oh. there's all these supplements coming out with sweeteners and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's not that's, that's not, not what, I want. That's what my body needs. <laughs> yeah. I need you know I want sugar. But you know, though professionals still get it wrong. And well, we were talking last night about Vincent Luis, um, triathlete. And there was a big story about him having heart problems and mm. so on. But actually, it just turned out that he'd uh, done too much caffeine, <laughs> just like double dosed <laughs> his caffeine, caffeine tablet and just <laughs> freaking messed his heart up. Yeah. I mean, you're a professional, but you still make silly mistakes. Mm. So, is it, is it done post-race, these kind of testing? Because like, obviously you said that you went through a screening process before. But what about if one of your guys had have won, for example, would they be... The, yeah, it would be okay to test after that? Like yeah, um, so normally in a racing situation, the winners will then get escorted straight into the anti-doping yeah. booth. Really? Straight yeah. away? Yeah. That's so um, interesting. Okay. And the anti-doping officer is not allowed to let that rider out their sight. Hmm. They'll be, that's the first thing they do wow. before. I anything. didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, and then you've got the whereabouts hmm. testing as well. Um, you know, a lot of the top riders, they have to notify um, whoever it is, Yukada or the UCI, of their whereabouts at any point. Yeah. And they can be tested at any point between, what, 6, 6 a.m. till you know, mm. 8 p.m. at night. Um, and you will just have anti-testing, anti-doping officers turn mm. up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> years ago, the only uh, time I've ever been around a test, um, I was over in Belgium with uh, with a rider. He So we were riding the... The senior race and this friend of mine was there with his dad riding the junior race um, and he just got pulled out random random anti-doping tests and he was waiting um, in the little booth he had the winner of the race he had like the junior world champion or something mm. um, and because you know you're not expecting to go for a test um, straight after racing he'd already done his wee He'd had his post-race wee, so he had to sit in this place for about two hours um, oh. until he had like enough, mm. enough to give, yeah. to give the tester. Um, meanwhile, we're like, 
we've got to get a ferry back to the UK. Oh. Like, we're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're like, can he just disappear? Like, yeah. is, that, is that a good enough excuse? Yeah. And of course, then he was Got worried as well guy. because, like, the week before he'd had a cold, so he'd been, you know, he had a few Sudafeds. Yeah. You yeah. know, is, is there, could that be, you know, mm. come up in his wee test? Is that going to be a violation? And luckily, everything was fine. But yeah, it was this mm. whole thing of like, yeah, we need to get back. We were going to miss something. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> There, there have been quite a few high-profile um, cases recently where, you know, quite big riders have been, you know, whether they're totally innocent or not, but, mm. but they've been singled out and they've been, oh, she, he or she missed that test mm. or they, they missed yeah. this. And then all of a sudden the journalists get involved and mm. they, they think they, they know it all, don't they? Um, but do you think the culture is going to maybe change it? Do you think, like, you know, go back 10 years, maybe 20 years, people didn't know dick all about nutrition, right, mm. compared to now. Mm. Do you think that maybe in another 10, 20 years, there's going to be a lot more science behind, the, you know, I'm hoping that they just come out and say, look, this, this massive list, long list of substances doesn't do anything. It's no longer banned, so feel free to take Sudafed or whatever you want. <laughs> like, and then actually, like, stuff that is really potent, if they know more about it, then because... Do you, th- do you feel like it gets in the way? Do you feel like it gets in the way of no, just people enjoying the sport? Or? Yeah, no, I th- yeah, you've always got to have those thresholds there. Mm. Um, and yeah, if you want to enjoy the sport, yeah, yeah, of course. But then also you don't, you know, you want to feel good about enjoying it. You don't want to feel like you're being cheated because somebody else yeah. is doing something. And, yeah. I think the other thing as well is it's never that clear cut. Yeah. There's mm. so much yeah. nuance and so much like, like people operate in this gray area between black and white. Yeah. Whereas like that's kind of where most people kind of are. Like we're we're aware of the rules. We're gonna push them as far yeah. as we can, but we're not necessarily doing our wrong. And it's that kind of like gray area where yeah. most professional sport kind of operates. Let's be frank. Yeah. I think that people that are getting busted for PEDs, it's like diuretics. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's in itself isn't isn't anything but, you but know, then it's have you got a sign that something else yeah. has happened yeah. it's all context mm. yeah. 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 And, you know and you go back into the the idea that everyone thinks of it's a doping test they take a blood sample they put it in a little machine and it's, it's a green light or a red light it's just, that's not how it it's is not right? the, it's not the year 2000 anymore yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean we're not in the we're not in the era of like US postal yeah like people are a lot smarter yeah. now everything's a lot more subtle everything's a lot more subtle and nuanced and I think, like, as long as sport is professional, like, you look at rugby, like, for one sport, like, that, is, that has a massive doping mm. issue. Like, because, let's face it, the bigger you are, the better you're going to be. So it's not just unique to, like, cycling or athletics or whatever. And there's always going to be, like, a grey area where professional teams and professional athletes mm-hmm. are going to work. They're within the rules, but they're right up against that line. And that's unfortunately going to be the nature of where things are. Should we just say every 20 years, just delete all the records and just oh, assume sorry. that they were all do at it and now we're clean. That's well, essentially, that's, the, that's your job as a professional is to play within the rules, but to you know push, them pu- as, push mm-hmm. as far against that kind of boundary as it, possible. Yeah, there's a little bit of a stigma attached to people who bend the 
the rules, isn't there? It used to be like Formula. I, I keep bringing up Formula One because I used yeah. to watch it, and now I don't so much. But yeah. th that was always about oh they oh they got this new thing oh this cool yeah, new technology yeah. oh next race is banned. Yeah. But that's they, they didn't kind of go well. We're deleting your last result because you did that. You tried something. You know, we decided that it was too much of a, mm. you know, risk or whatever, or mm. unfair to others, and we ban it. And then you just, mm. you just, you know, you just roll on and, and stuff like that. I think it was a bit more friendly competition yeah. involved. Yeah. And there's always going to be like opinions. Yeah. Isn't there? Yeah. Which partly makes sport fun, but ultimately we have a set of rules by which we are all bound. Um, rules are there so we can have fun, and. That's these are the rules that have been laid out by like a, a you know regional governing body or world governing body, whatever it is. And ultimately there's always gonna be people that, that will break rules or nudge right up against them mm. because that's what rules generally kind of create, things like a school, you know. But if there was a complete free for all, then how would you like it would just be chaos? Very fun to watch though. <laughs> oh yeah, the think of bike design, track bikes. Yeah. Over the yeah. last few years, people yeah. have pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, and now yeah. they've relaxed the rules. Yeah. Now look what we have. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, it might be fast. Yeah. But the thing with the leaf. Yeah, no, let's, let's just go back to where we were a couple of years ago. <laughs> where things actually look like bikes. Yeah. Hope we've got a lot to answer for. Yeah. But now all these bikes bike. looking like so the, cool. All these bikes looking like the Hope bike. Yeah, latest bike now. I feel like it's uh, you know flavor of the month, isn't it? There's always been that kind of like this is more aerodynamic. We've proved it in the wind tunnel. Look, look at our single A4 sheet white paper, and then everybody does it. And then a couple of years later, also, oh, whatever happened to the uh, what happened to that thing? It's like yeah. oh, we've got some changed now. it now. Now it's a different. Yeah. At the, at the Worlds, it was was it the Kieran, mm. uh, the world champion one on an older bike mm. without all the fancy bits. Yeah. Obviously, lots of Capecchi. One mm. on the SL7, um, mm. not the newer bike. Oh, wasn't the second mm. place? Uh, yeah, SL8. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, fun. That's yeah. great marketing. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but just going off on a other tangent, just the Formula One just reminded me of uh, e-bikes. I didn't realise there was an e-bike mountain bike yep. race category. Yep. I was like, what? This is they crazy. They sell e-bikes, <laughs> right? That's why they. That's why they do it. It's like. But just going back to the Formula One, I was like, oh, I, I kind of started watching it. Just, well, maybe there'll be like an e-bike fire, you know, like, <laughs> maybe like, talking about dangerous racing again, you know, equipment just blowing I, up. Because, I, I wouldn't be surprised you know. if at some point there's going to be a bike in, a, in a, a one of the, you know, in the, in the pits and the, whatever the, what do you call the mountain bike? Yeah, pits. Equivalent of yeah, pits, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, something will catch fire. It would just yeah, like whether it's because somebody sparked up a cigarette and chucked <laughs> the battery, or whatever. But and you know, and everyone will then say, "Oh, it's dangerous." They're all like this. Like, no, it just something happened. It was a freak thing. It's very unlikely to happen. Most of the time, you're keeping an eye on it. But you know, then, like, how easy is how easy is it? We know how easy it is to, you know, up the power on a motor and not be found out and then there's going to mm. be that issue where people are starting to mm. push things yeah i don't know bunch of cynics really aren't we yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about enough about butts oh. Oh. cheers for having me on yeah no thanks, thanks, for, yeah. thanks for coming thanks for sharing your world and, uh, championship experience yeah and I'll, I'll definitely keep you updated how it 
I'm mm. really interested to see what happens at the uh, yeah, so to the Olympics. And it, so the position we're at now, I'm going to hopefully, yeah, I'm going to coach these riders a little bit, um, get them ready for Paris. Yeah. But then whether or not it actually happens as well, that's still the that's another thing. That's the other thing because apart half the issue for some of the Kenyan riders coming over was visas. Oh, right, mm. of course, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was all very, very last minute. Right. And we don't want to get in the situation, obviously. And there was a big, um, there was something, what was... Uh, the African riders. Yeah, that was yeah, it. similar. I mean, it just did seem to be a bit of a theme, mm. the African riders coming over for Glasgow. They hadn't been to the UK before. Right. It was even and that's, pro- even that's the thing, isn't it? That's yeah. the flag, and then somebody's in an office and have to box tick. And but hopefully, kind of... you know, the Olympics and the Paralympics. Yeah. Is there a way that we can follow these guys? Um, yeah, on social I can, media or anything uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, they are on Instagram. Awesome. Um, I can put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the. Show notes. We'll put it in the we yeah. don't have show notes. Oh, we do. That's nice. Do uh, yeah, probably. Probably. We do it now. <laughs> we do now. Um, but yeah, no, that would be really cool to cool. see. And uh, yeah, cool, cool. Good luck. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. All Thank right. you. Hmm, a rainbow jersey at ninety. I could wear it around the hospice. You can learn more about Matt's coaching at saddleupcycling.co.uk. And as always, follow us on Instagram at softissuespod. And be sure to tune in next time because Way, Matt and Lee will be sitting down with the one and only Jenny Gwizdowski, author of How to Build a Bike, founder of the world-famous London Bike Kitchen, and my other half, that's why I'm not allowed in the room. Uh, Join us next time. Thanks for tuning in. See you soon.